Back to Basics, a complete Back to Basic program recorded live during the Back to Basic study by Tim B. All right, Tim, alcoholic. Welcome to step eight. Very short read tonight. So fortunately, we do have some pertinent data in the 12 and 12, which will fill a little bit of our time, but it will also give us a, a, a lot of time to talk about the eighth step or any other step we want to talk about. Um, so that being said, we are in the big book, page 76. We are going to be reading from the third paragraph, first six lines only. Third paragraph, first six lines only. In addition to that, just for later, we are going to be reading out of the 12 and 12, step eight, obviously, and that's page 77 to 82. <clears throat> On everybody's seat is an amends list, which uh, I believe covers the full eighth step and starts us on the process of the ninth step. And I'll show you how that sort of uh, works out. And it would probably be a good idea if you want to, to bring the list back next week, just so we can discuss column three. Okay, here we go. In the big book, page 76, third paragraph. Now we need more action without which we find that faith without works is dead. So all of our preceding uh, steps have had elements of faith. It's a discussion. It is a, a decision. It is a philosophical uh, conclusion that we've come to. But they've also had some action to this. So anytime we've done a prayer, uh, anytime we've admitted, anytime we've, you know, uh, come to believe, th there's an element of action in there. But primarily, I would say our real action steps up to this point have been four and five, right? You hand somebody the fourth step and their eyes cross. It's like, oh boy, we're not going to be talking anymore. I have to go home and write these things out. That's action, right? That's where we lose most people. And then five, you know, and then get them to finish it so that they do five is a whole nother story. <clears throat> but those are definitely action. I think six and seven are, are, are more faith based. We're, we're, we're going to be asking God to do something for us. We've recognized what our situation is and we're asking God to uh, help us in this venture. But now what it's saying is, is um, we need more action. Let's look at steps eight and nine. Here's step eight in the big book. We have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. So there are two steps to the step. One is we need to write down all the names, all the names of people we have harmed. And then the second part of that is to make sure we're willing to make the amends. Two separate things. And we're going to see how we're going to deal with that. So then the big book tells us we made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now, our reading stops tonight for step eight right there because the next word says now we're going to talk about the ninth step. But for the, our purposes tonight, the eighth step is only the list. Plus, 
column two on this sheet that I'm giving you. So column one, I owe an amends to. Where am I going to get these names from? Fourth step. Every single name you have on your fourth step. Resentment, fears, and harms. I used to think it was only harms. But if I have to amend my behavior, amend my past actions, it means to change. If I have fear, it colors the way I interact with that person or institution. It, it changes how I interact with them. And if I want to amend that relationship, that behavior, it requires me to put the name down. Because we want to make sure, column two, we want to make sure that we're willing to amend the behavior. So <clears throat> if it's sex conduct, if it's I've stolen, uh, 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 I've stolen time, I clock out at, I have a, a buddy clock me out at, uh, a, a buddy that clocks me out at 8 p.m. and I really left at five, right? We're stealing time, I want to amend that, right? Are we willing to? So in that column, column two, you could put Y for yes or N for no or write in yes or no or uh, check for I'm willing, willing, whatever, however you want to use that column. When somebody has done this, I've taken somebody through the steps and they come back with the list. I really scan through column two just to see where they're not willing. That's where I'm putting my attention. Right? I'm not dealing with this whole thing where, you know, we can slowly work on this thing, but I'm looking for where it's, uh, no, I'm not willing, not Joey. I'm not making, I'm interested in that one. So first column, I'm going to take all the names from my fourth step and I'm going to put them on here. <clears throat> Second uh, phase of step eight is to decide if I'm willing to make the amends. An amend can be an apology and or a change of behavior. So if I've stolen from petty cash at work and I go to the boss and I apologize for it and I make an amends of the $600 that I owe them and I give it to them or I cut some kind of deal on it, right? And then I don't do it anymore. That's a true ninth step, right? I'm humbly sorry for the shenanigans I pulled. I'm offering your 600 back. Oh, you only want 300? Thank you. I love it. I will pay you, you know, 50 a month until it's paid off. And you don't do it anymore. That's a ninth step. <clears throat> that is, in the big book, it deals with that. That is a risk you must be willing to take. Yeah, it, it's a risk you must be willing to take um, uh, um, generally. Could there be examples where we would need good advice from a sponsor, a sober network, and or an attorney? Absolutely. Absolutely. It does not mean that we put ourselves in a position that would mean that my kid does not get enough money for tuition next month, right? Or food, it's a better, that's a better example. But you don't want to save yourself in the process of doing these 
steps with a glaring uh, uh, um, likelihood that you're going to harm another. If you gave back the six hundred dollars, but you didn't say anything, just say the argument, is that considered an amendment? I believe it could be under certain circumstances. I believe I, I could see some scenarios you paint where that would suffice. Yeah, I could see that. But I don't want to go there too quickly. I rather us, the, the, the person I'm um, uh, working with on this, is to marinate on that before we decide that that's the answer. The first answer may be, okay, stop stealing. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I, I got 60 days under my belt. I haven't stole from petty cash. Okay, we're on a roll now. That might prove to me that the anonymous, get your $600 back, might be an option. But it also can't be that I'm not going to stand up for um, <clears throat> right and true. Because honesty is, a, is an ingredient. Why did Dr. Bob not get sober when he was working within the Oxford group Basically with the same information, except the twofold disease, basically with the same information, why did he not get sober? Dishonesty. He could never say to the group, I have a problem with booze. He had fear that as a physician that I would be looked down upon a and that some, you know, that's that's probably uh, self-delusion. But uh, uh, my business would be affected. The honesty part is what kept him from becoming uh, 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 the, open to the spirit coming in and, and, and solving the problem. Finding the power couldn't happen because he wasn't honest. So you have to be careful there, but you know, a write, oh, could I write a letter? Yes, but hold on. Are we really just fearful of face-to-face? -face? And we would talk about that. You know what I mean? And and I, I think you could be stages. See, now we're actually already in nine. And, and that's one of the problems with eight and nine. A, they slam them together here. And the 12 and 12, they're going to slam them together. Um, step eight is only making the list. You don't have to do a thing. It's only column one and column two. Who do I owe an amends to? And am I willing? You are? Okay. You did eight. Next week, we'll probably, you know... Uh, 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 delve into it a little bit more, but I think you need to be careful about taking at, at, at points where you don't need to take a shortcut that you take a shortcut. But I wanted to say, this is what, this is how I lost my train of thought. This is what I wanted to say. I think ninth steps can be done in phases. A letter could start the process uh, I see them for the holidays and I say something light, you know, like I don't directly confront the situation. A year later, I see them at a wedding and, you know, they're, you know, very jovial. And maybe, maybe that's the, you know, intuitively know when we're halfway through nine, we intuitively know what the right answer is. So you won't need somebody to tell you. Just, no, I, I got it. That's kind of the idea. Okay. Yeah. So I just I think just to to help with just the thought of how to approach these mm. with circumstances like that that could be very questionable. Don't even think about how are you going to go about nine. It. 
Just think, if I've had some part in it, and I have caused some harm, put it down. Yeah. Regardless of what the <clears throat> ramifications may be. So because, slick. And because for me, if I don't get honest and, and put it down, and, you know, I may not know how to handle it. And I may have to go through all those yeah. people and question yeah. whether I'm gonna, it's going to harm somebody else yeah. or, or have mm-hmm. a further trickle mm-hmm. down effect. Mm-hmm. I at least need to get it down. Yeah. Regardless right. of what the next step is going yeah. to be. And, and, and that's and a good way to look at it. it, it that, that, is, th- that is really the answer to this thing because everybody fears nine. They're already in nine. We just did it just now. It just happened to me. We got, I, I'm in nine. We're here for eight. And the fact of the matter is eight is done. Um, eight is partially done. You did it in four. But what's implied in four, you, everybody you've harmed is on four. What's what's and what's implied in four is that you're willing to change your behavior and fix past uh, uh, wrongs. So the second part of eight is is column two here. We want to triple check because you will get people that did four. They had a great great conversation in five regarding this harm that they perpetrated. And then they get here and they say, yeah, I'm not really ready to give that up. Well, we got to highlight that. In fact, that's the place where I put my attention, me as the sponsor. Here's another suggestion. If you don't know affirmatively yes or no, how about a question mark? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Until further investigation. Yeah. For now, no. Mm -hmm. I can likely do for step six. Pray for the willingness. Yep. Great. To make that's great. The same way. I think that's a perfect, a, a perfect way, point. I know for myself, at least I was willing to put the name down on the first column. Yes, yes, yes. And willing even to deal with column two in yes, no, maybe. Now, I didn't stick maybe in there because I couldn't reconcile it. I've seen that as an option. And just because I'm going strict to here, I've done it where yes, no, maybe. But it doesn't give me that choice here, right? So I, uh, are we willing? So that to me, that yes or no. But I think that's a great idea. And it also, for somebody that's a little um, uh, um, on the fence, that might be a little bit of an out that gives them, you know, the half step to the next position. Okay, let's leave that alone for a moment. Let's switch over to the 12 and 12, if you don't mind. And again, next week, we'll deal with column three on this sheet. So again, please bring it back. We are on page 77 in the 12 and 12. It reminds us what the step is. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. So... The end became willing is column two. So if it's no at the moment, you're going to pray and also practice on some of your other easier amends could give you traction to be able to do it. Or I should say could give you traction to become willing to do it. You may decide later on with with therapy or your sober network or your sponsor that it's not appropriate to make the amends. Seen it, seen it lots of times, and it's not a cop out. And, and that's why I asked to bring this back. You'll see some verbiage on, on column three, which deals with that very question. Okay, here we go. 
Steps eight and nine are concerned with personal relations. First, we take a look backward and try to discover where we had been at fault. Next, we make a vigorous attempt to repair the damage we have done. And third, having thus cleaned away the debris of the past, we consider how, with our newfound knowledge of ourselves, we may develop the best possible relations with every human being we know. So this is a big ticket item. This is saying not only are we going to deal with this on the people that we get harmed, we had them in four, we put them on eight, we started the amends on nine. It's saying it's going to completely change our outlook and um, we may develop, the last line of that paragraph, we may develop, if this is the purpose, we may develop the best possible relations with every human being we know. That's a psychic change, right? They say, yeah, you come into the program and you change everything. Nothing's the same. You're doing a 180. It's completely different. This is a very large order. It is a task which we may perform with increasing skill, but never really finish. Learning how to live in the greatest peace, partnership, and brotherhood with all men and women of whatever description is a moving and fascinating adventure. Every AA has found that he can make little headway in this new adventure of living until he first backtracks and really makes an accurate and unsparing survey of the human wreckage he has left in his wake. To a degree, he has already done this when taking moral inventory, step four. But now the time has come when he ought to redouble his efforts to see how many people he has hurt and in what ways. So one of the things we can see from this is, you know what? I act a little uh, abrupt to the cleaners today. They didn't have my jacket ready. So I bit the guy's head off. Well, he's not on my amends list, right? This is a new thing that's happening. But it's a great prompter for me to realize that all of my relationships need to be uh, um, re-looked at. New efforts, new pair of glasses. This reopening of emotional wounds, some old, some perhaps forgotten, and some still painfully festering, will at first look like purpose, purposeless, oh my God, <laughs> purposeless and pointless piece of surgery. So what that's telling me is that even after we've done our fourth step, we're in nine, eight and nine, we may come up with names that we didn't know. We forgot, you know, uh, so this is the place we would deal with those. We'd immediately get those names on the list. So this may reopen the memory banks. But if a willing start is made, then the great advantages of doing this will so quickly reveal themselves that the pain will be lessened as one obstacle after another melts away. So it's saying you start with your easier ones, you get some confidence, you get some good feeling out of it. You say, wow, this is almost like, this is, this is like medicine. I, I want more of this. That's the idea. So the, 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 the pain to do it melts away. However, watch what it does right now. These obstacles, however, are very real, meaning tangible. At the first and one of the most difficult has to do with forgiveness. 
the moment we ponder a twisted or broken relationship with another person, our emotions go on the defensive. To escape looking at the wrongs we have done another, we resentfully focus on the wrong he has done us. Does this sound familiar to anybody? This is especially true if he has, in fact, behaved badly at all. Triumphantly, we seize upon his misbehavior as the perfect excuse for minimizing or forgetting our own. So you saw that line, uh, this is especially true if he has, in fact, behaved badly at all. In other words, there is a possibility you have a resentment. The person did nothing wrong. There is a possibility of that. So it's like delusional. However, the person in reality may have done something wrong. So it's even easier if, if to have a resentment against that person. You know, they really did steal my car, that, you know, and smashed it up and denied it. Yeah, they really may have done that. So it's, it's easier for us to only focus on their stuff then. Right here, we need to fetch ourselves up sharply. It doesn't make much sense when a real toss pot calls a kettle black. A, to a toss pot is a habitual drinker, old, old uh, expression. Let's remember that alcoholics are not the, one, the only ones who bedeviled by sick emotions, right? It says that in the big book. Uh, uh, basically, we need to treat everybody as, as sick. We're sick, they're sick, everybody's sick. And that's, that's humility and that's you know under empathy and that's forgiveness. It, it all comes under that rubric. Moreover, it is usually a fact that our behavior when drinking has aggravated the defects of others. We've repeatedly strained the patience of our best friends to a snapping point and have brought out the very worst in those who didn't think much of us to begin with. In many instances, we are really dealing with fellow sufferers. Here, it says it right there, right? People whose woes we have increased. So if everybody's a sufferer in the world, everybody's suffering, there are some that we've made their suffering worse. And I would, if, if I would kind of like just to be able to use as few words as possible, it's probably because of our selfish, self-centered behavior. Self-centered fear, selfish behavior is what, what's contributed to other people's suffering. <clears throat> if we are now about to ask forgiveness for others, why shouldn't we start out by forgiving them one and all? When listing the people we have harmed, most of us hit another solid obstacle. We got a pretty severe shock when we realized that we were preparing to make a face-to-face -face admission of our wretched conduct to those we had hurt. It had been embarrassing enough when in confidence we admitted these things to God, to ourselves, and to another human being. But the prospect of actually visiting or even writing the people concerned now overwhelmed us especially when we remembered in what poor favor we stood with most of them. There are cases, too, where we had damaged others who were still happily unaware of being hurt. So there could be names on our list that have no idea of what's going on, right? Why we cried, shouldn't bygones be bygones? Why do we have to think of these people at all? Meaning they don't know what the, we don't, they don't know we've screwed them. These 
were some of the ways in which fear conspired with pride to hinder our making a list of all the people we had harmed. So we've already rationalized that Tommy doesn't know I stole his wallet. So, I, you know, let's just leave it alone. Sleeping dog lie says right here that that is due to fear and or pride that has conspired us of making a list of all the people we had harmed. Some of us, though, tripped over a very different snag. We clung, clung to the claim that when drinking, we never hurt anybody but ourselves. Our families didn't suffer because we always paid the bills and seldom drank at home. Our business associates didn't suffer because we were usually on the job. Our reputations hadn't suffered because we, we, because we were certain few knew of our drinking. Those who did would sometimes assure us that, after all, a lively bender was only a good man's fault. What real harm, therefore, had we done? No more, surely, than we could easily mend with a few casual apologies. In other words, saying, no real harm's done. So, you know what? At best, all I have to make is a quick apology, and we're good. Right? It's saying, be careful. That's a snag. First line of that paragraph. That's a snag. That's rationalizing from doing a really good job at this thing, right? Because we know half measures avail us nothing. This attitude, of course, is the end result of purposeful forgetting. It is an attitude which can only be changed by a deep and honest search of our motives and actions. <clears throat> Though in some cases we cannot make restitution at all. This kind of goes to what we were talking about before, right? Though in some cases we cannot make restitution at all. And in some cases action ought to be deferred. We should nevertheless make an accurate and really exhaustive survey of our past life as it has affected other people. That means step eight. That means your list should include everything and a very um, honest self-appraisal, non-delusional appraisal, non-rationalizing appraisal. That list should be complete. We can figure out what we're going to do with it later. In many instances, we shall find that though the harm done others has been great, the emotional harm we have done ourselves, excuse me, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Let me read that again. In many instances, we shall find that though the harm done others has not been great, the emotional harm we have done ourselves has very deep, sometimes quite forgotten, damaging emotional conflicts persist below the level of consciousness. So the, the book is telling us here, written in 1953, right? These are essays about the step. Bill wrote this, right? They're telling us that some of this stuff is going to be in our subconscious. So we're working on our subconscious because <clears throat> the process brings them to consciousness. At the time of these occurrences, they may actually have given our, emotional, our emotions violent twists which have since discolored our personalities and altered our lives for the worse. While the purpose of making restitution to others is paramount, 
it is equally necessary that we extricate from an examination of our personal relations every bit of information about ourselves and our fundamental difficulties that we can. So those are two goals of this. We're getting a lot of information about ourselves and finding out the fundamental difficulties uh, in our personality. Since defective relations with other human beings have nearly always been the immediate cause of our woes, including alcoholism, no field of investigation could yield more satisfying and valuable re rewards than this one. <clears throat> so I read that sentence as saying selfishness, self-centeredness is at the root cause of every single woe in our life. Including our alcoholism. Because early, before we were true alcoholics, real alcoholics, there were signs that we ignored, purposefully ignored, and kept on our selfish path, which then led to a real alcoholic, real alcoholism. Calm, thoughtful reflection upon personal relations can deepen our insight. We can go far beyond those things which were superficially wrong with us to see those flaws which were basic. I think the flaws which are basic is that selfish, self-centered thing that I keep hammering home. Self-centered fear. That's the basic. All the superficial thing. You know, I'm a thief. I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. Yeah, we can talk about those things. In fact, that's probably, you know, good fodder. But I always want to strip the onion back a little further. It's going to be selfish, self-centered behavior. Uh, uh, a false ego. Right? The purpose, the purpose of the program is to smash ego. Which is the fuel for selfish behavior. I have to read that again. We can go far beyond those things which were superficially wrong with us to see those flaws which were basic, flaws which sometimes were responsible for the whole pattern of our lives. Uh, that was one of the benefits of step four for me. I saw patterns, you know, over in column five or column four, depending on the sheet. They were all the same. The, my driving force was always the same. <clears throat> Thoroughness, we have found, will pay and pay handsomely. We might next ask ourselves what we mean when we say that we have harmed other people. What kinds of harm do people do one another anyway? To define the word harm in a practical way, we might call it the result of instincts in collision. Those are our natural instincts which cause physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual damage to people. If our tempers are constantly bad, we arouse anger in others. If we lie or cheat, we deprive others not only of their worldly goods, but of their emotional security and peace of mind. We really issue them an invitation to become contemptuous and vengeful. So look, look, at the, look what the, uh, the domino effect of our behavior is. We do these selfish, self-centered things, 
and it elicits in other people contemptuous and vengeful behavior. Boy, what are we spitting out into the world? What's our legacy? You know, uh, I'm always biting the, you know, my kid's head off, you know, uh, picking on every, I think it actually comes up to something about that later. So I won't go there, but, uh, um, you know, I'm always doing this, this one angry behavior. Well, that is causing in the other person to not be their best. So I'm harming them. They're, they're not, they're not living in a spiritual truth when I'm standing around. I'm bringing out their worst, not, not their best. If our sexual, excuse me, if our sex conduct is selfish, we may excite jealousy, misery, and a strong desire to retaliate in kind. Such gross misbehavior is not by any means a full catalog of the harms we do. Let us think of some of the subtler ones, which can sometimes be quite as damaging. And I'll even go so far as to say harder to fix, right? The subtler ones, are, you know, you can rationalize them easier. Suppose that in our family lives, we happen to be miserly, irresponsible, callous, or cold. Suppose that we are irritable, critical, impatient, and humorless. Suppose we lavish attention upon one member of the family and neglect the others. What happens when we try to dominate the whole family, either by a rule of iron or by a constant outpouring of minute directions for just how their lives should be lived from hour to hour? Uh, that's a business term called micromanaging, right? <clears throat> What happens when we wallow in depression, self-pity oozing from every pore and inflict that upon those about us? Such a roster of harms done others, the kind that make daily living with us, a with us as practicing alcoholics difficult and often unbearable could be extended almost indefinitely. When we take such personality traits as these into shop, office, and the society of our fellows, they can do damage almost as extensive as that we have caused at home. Having carefully surveyed this whole area of human relations and having decided exactly what personality traits in us injured and disturbed others, we can now commence to ransack memory. Those we're going to go back through our memory banks for the people to whom we have given offense to put a finger on the nearby and most deeply damaged ones shouldn't be hard to do. Then as year by year, we walk back through our lives as far as memory will reach. We shall be bound to construct a long list of people who have to some extent or, or other been affected. We should of course ponder and weigh each instance carefully. We shall want to hold ourselves to the course, to the course of admitting the things we have done, italicized, we have done. Meanwhile, forgiving the wrongs done us, real or fancied, real or imagined. We should avoid extreme judgments, both of ourselves and of others. We must not exaggerate our defects or theirs. A quiet, objective view will be our steadfast aim. Whenever our pencil falters, we can fortify and cheer ourselves by remembering what AA experience in this step has meant to others. 
It is the beginning of the end of isolation from our fellows and from God. We'll stop there tonight. 